0: you want to get
1: started you let me know when it's official and we'll we'll get it moving. Okay. hey everybody this is Dino with our podcast and I've got a special guest uh, we have Harrison Smith um, he is the uh, writer director um Just about, I mean, you were a former school teacher, (laughs) from what I
0: understand. Correct, and I'm a and I'm a producer as well.
1: well. Um, You have a fantastic podcast called Cinema, which I discovered a few months ago. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. And it really kind of, it seems like every week, your podcast talks to What I've been feeling about things. Um, and I don't know if it's... Because we're relatively close in age. I'm... I'm 45. Um, and I grew up loving movies. I grew up watching the old, you know, old films. You know, King Kong, Godzilla, stuff like that. And, you know, have been a... A movie fan and a horror fan since birth. You know, and I see the change in attitude of, you know, film becoming more of a, a product than, than an art form, and also something to be kind of mass-consumed as opposed to enjoyed. If
0: you well, and that's that's exactly what what got me started with cinema. And, and it started as a blog because it was after viewing Jaws the Revenge, which <laughs> Jaws the Revenge is not just a bad movie. My argument is, is that it is not a movie. It is not a motion picture. Jaws the Revenge is product. Mm-hmm. Uh, they found out that they still had some money in the budget uh, over at Universal to squeeze one more of these films out. Nobody cared about the product of it being entertaining. Nobody had any intention whatsoever of the the film entertaining. This was a way for some people to get a payday and get a three-month vacation to the Bahamas. That's exactly what Jaws the Revenge was. And they knew that on top of it, they could possibly get people to come back and see the movie because it's Jaws. So they played off of Jaws, the name, the franchise, the name brand. And they assembled a product. To give you an example, the mechanical sharks were sent ahead to the Bahamas almost, you know, I was like two months, two, three months before there was even a script. Wow. So they, they just knew, well, we're going to make a shark movie and we're going to call it Jaws, whatever. And that's what it's going to be. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the issue that it comes down to is, yes, I mean, look, films are made to also make money. We know that. But until the, the late 70s, when people started to realize, wow, we can have franchises, we can we can really sequelize things, right. um, then it became something different. And I will often argue that it's Jaws 2 that is the one that kind of made Hollywood realize what it was missing, although Jaws – itself revolutionized the distribution and release of motion pictures. Mm-hmm. So and then you had Star Wars, and then, of course, you end up with sequels. And and all those sequels have been around forever. I mean, we've had Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Kong. We, we've done it all. It's not like a sequel was a new thing. But back in the day, most of the time, sequels were considered inferior, that they were they were cynical cash grabs. And even studios were reluctant to put them out, unless there were, like, you know, certain series – uh, the Thin Man series, for example, things like that, maybe. But mm-hmm. it was Jaws 2 that kind of woke up Hollywood to go, wow, we can really just make some product. Right. And and so now we have that, of course. A, a small film like Halloween would not get the theatrical release that it did back in 1978. Because, again, I, I've said this before, that many people think that Halloween was just an instant box office smash. It was not. Right. It was put out there. It took time for it to grow, to find an audience. And it was out there for a good month before it started really, you know, ringing up the box office because word of mouth had to spread. You didn't have cell phones. You didn't have texting. You didn't have Internet. And, and you know, 10 million you know bloggers out there all chattering about it. Mm-hmm. So it took time. Now the big screen is reserved for the big product. And the smaller films are not making it. Look, two weeks ago, I went to go see It Chapter 2 and they had it playing in two theaters, and I'm not kidding you, like 12 shows a day. It was something like that. There were like 12 showings of this movie a day. And you you would think like, wow, that that's a lot for this. Couldn't they give like one of those theaters to, you know, a smaller film for, you know, theatrical release instead of that film going to directly to DVD and, and home video and streaming? And the answer is no. They would rather run the risk of blocking out two of their their screens, their theaters, for something that has a $150 million marketing budget than for a film that nobody's heard of. And that's what it is. Because back in the day when you went to the movies, a lot of people sometimes took a risk on a movie. It opened up in their hometown. They go, oh, it's playing down the road. I think I'll go see this. When you go to the multiplex, you already know what you want to see. Nobody goes to the multiplex to go, oh, let's look at the the marquee and see what we want to see. No. You already know. And the only time that you choose another kind of film is when your movie is sold out. And I ran a movie theater for eight years. So I know exactly what this is like. So, you know, and that's because, you know, of this movie, because you saw the advertisement on TV, you heard it on the radio, you saw it in the newspaper, you saw it on the website. Now, uh, you know, that kind of thing, because that hundred and fifty million dollar marketing plan got you to, to name brand recognize the movie. Right. But smaller films don't have this. Hmm. So they don't have that that uh, pre-awareness that these giant films do. So therefore, they shove them off the screen. So the day, like you said, when we could go to the movies as kids and there was maybe one screen in your town, well, you, that was what you saw. You didn't have a choice. Right. But you, you, you went down there and sometimes you took a chance on that movie. Hey, it's a monster movie. Well, I haven't really seen any commercials on it, but... I'm gonna go see it anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: And that movie could be there for a month. Mm-hmm. Now, if a movie isn't making a hundred million dollars in a weekend, I mean, let, think about it. We live in a day and age where Godzilla, King of the Monsters, can make four hundred million dollars at the box office, and they call it a disappointment.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So there's something wrong here.
1: Right. Right. Now. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, I like one of my favorite films is uh, *Frailty*. Um, and I found yeah, I saw it. Yeah. yeah, I found out about that. A friend of mine came home and said, "You got to see this movie." I said, "Okay." He goes, "But it's only playing in one theater about a half hour away." But go and see it. So you know, my wife and I when we were dating. You know, went and you know bypassed what four theaters at the time, and 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 went and sat, and we were the only ones in this theater to watch this movie that you know would become on my shortlist of, of favorite films, definitely a, you know shortlist of favorite horror films, but films themselves, and you know now you know, through social media and all that, it, it's garnered, the, I think, the uh, the love that it deserves. But back then, you know, it was a flash in the pan, and then people found sure. out about it on, you know, through DVD or, you know, a bargain bin.
0: Well, and that's it. Like, what you just described, that your friend said, you know, you're going to drive a half hour to go see this movie. Well, that's how it really was back in the day. You right. know, some people probably drove an hour to go see Halloween. Mm-hmm. They probably never heard of it, but somebody saw it and said, hey, I saw this movie about this guy killing these babysitters. You should go see it. It's playing over in whatever town, but I know it's a hall. That's that's what word of mouth did, but we don't have that anymore. Right. Okay, so now what we have is, you have, you know, Instant, you know, reviews. You have instant everything. And and again, if the movie isn't making a hundred million or fifty million in in its first weekend, like to to see these ridiculous articles, oh, it Chapter Two is projected to make ninety million its opening weekend. Well, that's great. And the only reason they do that is because the stupid movie costs like a hundred and some million to make. Right. So you know, Halloween was made for three hundred and some thousand dollars. And, you know, anything that it made over that was gravy for John Carpenter. The fact that it became a, a franchise-spawning billion-dollar franchise, well, that's that's terrific. But nobody expected that back then. When I'm sure when Carpenter made the original Halloween, he was not expecting it to go 40 years with sequels and remakes and reboots and, and all of that stuff. I'm, I'm positive he didn't think that. He made a good movie. He was proud of it. And it did well. And that was great. And John made money from it. Mm-hmm. But... You know that doesn't mean that it was it was going to spawn a major industry, right?
1: And and on that so that's
0: the difference then,
1: right? And on top of that, the desire, the the need to make more money and push more product, you have this uh, need to. to now, I'm, I'm not a, a gore prude or anything like that. I, lo- I love a body count. I love, you know, gore where it's, you know, supposed to be. But you've got these movies like the original Halloween, even Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where in retrospect
0: has very little blood. Um, Right, well that's the original Halloween The original Halloween has almost no blood Right
1: You know But now There's this need to Push the gore factor Up Um, And like I said I don't necessarily have a problem With that in its place However They're going to You know CGI to You know and, and I'm not a film production person, you know, so I don't know if it's cheaper or, I mean, it's got to be a little quicker than, you know, really good practical effects, you know, is, you know, throw a blood spatter. Once again, I'm, I'm speaking through ignorance and I admit that, you know, I don't call myself a film critic, I'm a guy who loves movies and wants to talk about it. Sure. But there seems to be a need to put 10 pounds of crap into a five-pound bag
0: and of pump course. it out as another sequel. And well, and what you just said, the 10 pounds of crap in a five-pound bag, that was it, chapter two. Right. The movie was entirely padded. It didn't need to be a two-and-a-half-hour running time. And then the, the, the crappy marketing of it was, oh, well, you know, it has the most blood in a horror film that we've seen. All right. So there's a scene where they they basically make a swimming pool of blood, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Um, quite frankly, that the second chapter of that movie should have been 90 minutes in and out. Mm-hmm. And instead they pad it up and they, they stuff it full of of nonsensical stuff that you're just sitting there going, my God, can we just get to the end of this thing? Right. And I never thought I'd be doing that. I had it takes a lot for me to have to check my my the time while I'm sitting in a movie, oh. and I must have checked my clock probably five times mm-hmm. while watching it. Chapter two, just going. This is way too long. They padded, like you said, five pound, ten pounds of, of crap into a five pound bag.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, with it now, and this is something that puzzled me is you have this property that you know is mammoth and it was originally done almost 30 years ago in a two part section so you know it, if you want to be faithful you're going to need that much time at least. Why would... Well, the, not, the running... Would, go ahead. Why would you, and I know you're not associated with it, you know, and we're only two guys talking about it, but why would... So you,
0: so you were asking about 30 years ago, you said, why is it? And then we dropped.
1: Right. Right. So, you you know you have this property that is big. You know that you're going to be recalling to the young... Why wouldn't you record... Okay, I'm sorry. Why wouldn't you make sure... Why wouldn't you do like a Peter Jackson and record and uh, film both parts kind of in the same time... Wouldn't well, it be cheaper than, say, de-aging and voice, you know, audio manipulation and all that?
0: Well, you're looking at 30 years ago, um, Stephen King properties, again, Hollywood was just discovering, even though Carrie had been around since 76 and such, that, you know, there, there's gold in them Nar Hills kind of thing. Right. And so, with it, a lot of executives thought that the, the length of the book, the subject matter of the book, was too much to tackle right. and nobody in Hollywood probably I'm sure probably the film was picked for development and they, it probably started and stopped in a number of different kind of uh, you know pro, uh, film production avenues mm-hmm. um, and then it went over to TV for whatever reason and, and television was the worst venue yeah. for the original it. It, it you know you have your sensors you have it's on written primetime you have a number of things that that are just going to be a major problem for the subject matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've read the book, the book deals with a very high level of mysticism and, and uh, uh, kind of metaphysical stuff that results in the culmination of, of a sexual tryst between the young kids. Right. And you know, how, how do you get that by the censors? How do you, how do you broadcast that to national TV? Well, the answer is you don't. Right. So you kind of bypass it, but the problem in bypassing it, which they did again, in the remake for the uh, for the, the new version. And that is, is you're, you're really gutting it of something really important. And I know people think, well, you're, you're talking about your kids having sex and that's important. Yeah, actually, the reason why they do it is extremely important, because the one thing that both adaptations left out and, and I don't know why. So I don't have an answer for part of your question is. And that is, you know, they never explained why these kids were special. And in the book, they do. In the book, Stephen King makes it very clear that the universe, the powers that created the universe, whether you call it God, whatever you want to call it, handpicked these kids. Mm -hmm. They were picked by the universe, by God, to fight this thing because it crossed into our world in the book and didn't belong here. It did not belong in this world. So whether it was a parallel universe, whether it was in inner space versus outer space, we, we never really know. But there's a significant character in there called the turtle. Mm -hmm. And the turtle was a character in the book that kind of belched forth the universe and and everything in it. And that's all gone. That's gone from the original and it's gone from from the new version. So what you've got instead is, is you've got a monster movie. You've got a bunch of kids stumble across monster. Kids kill monster. Why were these kids so special that it has been around since basically the dawn of man? Why were these kids so special out of all the people? I mean, let's face it. Other people had to have confronted it. Mm-hmm. Why? Why didn't they kill it? And they, they never answer that. Why are these kids so special? Well, the book answers that clearly, but they gutted all of that reference in fear of a number of things. You know, the the new It movie came out just in the wake of, uh, uh, you know, the Me Too movement and sexual harassment and all of this other stuff. And it's like, nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to touch that subject matter. So basically the first part of it for the remake is a Saturday afternoon monster movie. Kids find nasty clown clown eats people. Uh, Kids find a way to fight the clown. Kids possibly kill the clown at the end. Okay. That, that works. I mean, it wasn't bad movie by any means, but the second half, now they're all grown up. We see lots of flashbacks, but we still don't know why these kids were important. Mm -hmm. So, to answer your part of your question is why do they do the things that they do mostly because they shot a lot of it already. Uh, the first part and in the miniseries they shot it all together. But you know, the, like the Peter Jackson way of doing things, the answer is simple. Nobody wanted to put that kind of money into it. Right. They didn't want to do it. You know, it was already a property. It's being remade. They had no idea if it would work. It looked like it worked. We, we saw that they really marketed the movie like crazy. The first part, and uh, quite frankly, they didn't want to tackle. It's one thing to fill in all that backstory in a Tolkien series of books. It's another thing for Stephen King when you're filling in a story that that includes children having you know, four boys basically piling on one little girl. Right. In a scene where they, they have sex to solidify their energy and close the energy circle with them. Right. How do you how do you do that? So, you know what? And you didn't have that problem in the Jackson series. You know, it's all it's all fantasy here. We've got horror, but then we're doing this. And, of course, you know, right away, you know, i look I've seen stuff on Twitter. Oh, Stephen King. Oh, yeah. Keep lecturing about Trump. Stephen King, you're a pedophile who writes about children having sex. No, dude, that's not what he did. Mm -hmm. He didn't do it to titillate. He didn't write it to be pornographic. He didn't do anything like that. See, that's a very scary mentality. Right. He had no agenda. The point was is that but so they substituted that in it part two in chapter two they substituted it with some you know lame Native American ritual oh, okay so we always have to go back to the Native Americans because you know they were in touch with the land and all that stuff mm-hmm. and it's such a trope yeah is what it is so they fell back on the easiest thing that's why they did it
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's why they didn't do what you're asking no it was it was too involved nobody wanted to tackle it and they didn't want to deal with it they didn't want the back backlash in the public I mean how do you shoot a scene where you know, a bunch of kids are, are going to, you know, tag team a single girl, Right. a young girl that's yeah. in, you know, middle school or high school. What, what How are you going to show that? What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. There's no,
1: you know? yeah, there's no safe way to do right. That.
0: Everybody's outraged these days. Right. right. There's no safe way. And everybody's outraged. And then the director is going to be called a pedophile. And, oh, it's got child pornography in it. All these people that are outraged by something every week. We've, we've They've got to be upset. They've got to be outraged. They've got to be offended.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
0: know, so that's why they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: and and I'm glad you brought that up because that, that's my uh, new thing is you know with and I know you touch on this quite a bit in your on your podcast and even on your Twitter posts is kind of the I, w- I would call it generational snobbiness of your quote unquote film critics nowadays you know, you, you would things seeing old movies through a new lens and kind of picking apart the problems. You know, using the you know using something like oh this is problematic. You know, like the way someone acts or something like that. Well, in hindsight, when you're looking at it through you know this current lens. Yeah, okay, there are things that are said or done that 30 years ago... I I completely flipped the part what I was going to say. There were things that were done 30, 40 years ago or said that are now considered, quote-unquote, problematic. So the films back then are being trashed now for depicting those things. You understand what I'm saying? Does that make any sense?
0: <laughs> yes, it makes a lot of sense. And let me give you an example of what you're talking about, and that is all this recent hubbub, and what I feel is is some of it is absolutely fabricated uh, marketing and buzz and negative buzz on the coming Joker movie. Oh yeah. And that is, yeah, you know, everybody. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna make people go out and shoot people and blah 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 blah. That's because you have an entire generation of of reviewers, critics, commentators and film goers that think they're film fans that seem to forget that there was Taxi Driver back in the 70s. -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And Taxi Driver, for those who don't know what it was about, look, there is no coincidence why Robert De Niro is cast in this movie. Right. Okay. It's a reference to Taxi Driver. Mm -hmm. And the whole point was, is that it was about a guy who wanted to impress this girl that he fell in love with by shooting a political candidate. And, you know, then I had somebody say to me one time, well, you know, look, that's that's what it is. Look what you know John Hinckley did. He went out and shot Ronald Reagan just to impress Jody Foster. Yeah. Ten years after the fact. Right. That's one. Ten years later. And it didn't spur national, you know, across the nation kind of uh, mass shootings. It did not do that. Right. So somebody caught on to the fact that we're fearful of everything. OK, so there's there's that. And then it turns out that, you know, they, they don't understand about Taxi Driver. You have an entire generation that, that's talking about Joker, and they, they seem to forget that Joker owes less to a comic book than it does to Taxi Driver. Right. No, I I don't believe it's going to go out and cause mass shootings. And my, my answer to that is, which I think you probably saw in my one tweet, and that is, if that's what it takes to make somebody go out and do it, then we've got a far bigger problem that anybody wants to talk about here. Yeah. Because if a single movie is going to ignite mass shootings in a movie theater, then we have a really bad problem that nobody's looking at, and and we should be.
1: Yeah, and and it's funny because a lot of these people that won't make that connection between Taxi Driver and Joker are quick to make the connection between Joker and King of Comedy.
0: So... There seems to be well because they're they're too young. They don't remember any of this stuff yeah. anymore. We have a we have a time now that oh it's are two years old. It's old. It's old. I don't want to see that. It's old. Right. Right. Right.
1: And you know, and unfortunately, I think it goes. You know, there, there's a a group think that that goes on in Twitter, social media in general. You know, uh, Men in Black. You know, they they said it great. You know, a person is smart. People are stupid and panicky. And the more people you have together, the less they. You there? Harrison, you there?
0: I'm here. Yes, okay. we had a, a break up there, but I'm I'm back. Okay. Yeah, I I think you're totally right. It's we have a total disconnect. So you have this snobbery now because they don't even know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, so look, I had somebody go on IMDB and post a copy, post a comment on there about my first movie, The Fields and said, it's only about this old lady screaming at her grandson not to go in the cornfield. And for the record, this old lady can't act. This old lady, lady you know, was Cloris Leachman who won Brown an Oscar, yeah. a record number of M- Emmys, a Tony, and you're going to say this old lady can't act? That's because you never saw her in anything else, you moron. <laughs> That's why. Because when your life consists of just Avengers movies or Star Wars, yeah, then you know what? Your palate is pretty limited. Yeah.
1: Right. You you don't know who, you know, Nurse Diesel is or Raul right. Broca. <laughs>
0: It's ridiculous. And then so they translate this ignorance into some kind of ability that they think that they're smarter and they're going to be snobby. Well, you know, know, Joker is going to cause people to shoot. Well, I don't know. What about taxi? What taxi driver? What was that? Oh, see, that's what I'm talking about. What about Joan Wick? Right. I mean, we have three Joan Wick movies. Hey, look, you you might have seen a a series of of tweets I've thrown out, and that is – Every time I find one of these headlines of a mass shooting, now my only question is, I wonder what movie made them do this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder what movie they saw made them do this. (laughs) You know, and then this morning with Joaquin Phoenix says uh, one of the characters from Joker was inspired by uh, the Wizard of Oz. I I wrote back, I said, I wonder how many people went out and shot up movie theaters after seeing the 1939 Wizard of Oz. Yeah. (laughs) And nobody wants to talk about that, you know? No. Nobody wants to say anything about that. The problem is we have a deep-seated, rooted problem in this society, and it's it's more than just guns. Mm-hmm. Guns are not magically picking themselves up and shooting people, and I know people go, well, it's the availability of guns. It's okay. Yes. I, in my opinion, and i probably get flack for this for anybody listening, I don't see why anybody needs an AR-15. Okay. I really don't. I don't see why anyone needs an AR-15. You want a handgun to protect your house? Fine. You want a shotgun to protect your house? Fine. Why we need armor-piercing automatic weaponry? I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I I don't know why I need a gun to protect my home that could blow a hole into the wall, you know, or or machine gun down my entire cabinetry. I, I don't know why I need that. But it's more than nobody wants to talk about psychotropic drugs that are we're putting our kids on. Right. That one of the side effects is that it eliminates empathy in, in children. Right. Right. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about you know that we we actually have people who are mentally unsound having kids who are mentally unsound and abusing them. We don't talk about that, or we don't talk about the overt materialism in our in our society where we're allowing grass and trees and video games. And I'm not blaming video games. I'm just saying whatever it is, television. Right. Uh, whatever distraction it may be to raise our kids instead of us actually raising our kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. so we don't want to talk about any of that because that's politically incorrect and that might offend somebody and all that. So we'll just pretend that this is a white male problem in America Mm -hmm. and that's it. Um, We're we're not going to look at anything else. We're just going to go colorblind and say that it's a white male American problem. And um, that a movie can cause us to do this. I mean, they blame the Matrix for Columbine, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the Matrix 4 is coming out. I mean, uh, who's going to die because of that? Yeah. What school should go on lockdown because the Matrix 4 is going to be coming out? Right.
1: And, and, you know, you you get one voice that picks up on it, and then everyone kind of goes. And then you get a few people who kind of see it. It's like uh,
0: that story, The Emperor's New Clothes. Oh, that's exactly where we're living. We, we are. We live in a time where kids can sit around and watch other kids play video games, and now some doofus goes out and can make millions of dollars sitting there commenting on people playing video games. What is that? Yeah. Like, when you were kids, you went outside and you played. Mm-hmm. You know? I just saw a video the other night where it's 10 minutes of somebody squishing slime, <laughs> 10 minutes of that that's entertainment right no wonder we're freaking dumb no wonder the chinese are beating the living hell out of us educationally economically and militarily no wonder they are because our kids are losing brain cells watching this stupid garbage there's nothing even entertaining about that what is entertaining about sitting for 10 minutes it's like in the movie idiocracy when that guy when what's his name went into uh into the movie theater to see a movie called ass and all it was was two hours of a bare ass farting on screen and people are laughing that's where we are at right now it is the emperor's new clothes and when people like me speak up about it oh i'm crabby i'm ranting i'm angry i'm jealous no man i'm calling out that this is stupid and you people are so dumb you can't see it that's exactly what's going on here i'm the guy in network screaming i'm mad as hell and i'm not going to take it anymore right Right, I'm yeah. Howard Beale, yeah. and that movie got it all right too—the blurring of entertainment and and, and news yeah. and everything else. Yeah. Like, we are a nation of morons. We really are. We are stupid people. Okay, look at what we follow. Look at the stupid headlines I tweet in the morning. I wish I could make that garbage up. You know, and this is what's passing as journalism. No wonder our kids are stupid. Our phones are smarter than our kids. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so no wonder we have the issues that we have with film critics. They don't know what they're looking at anymore. Right. We now have movie trailer reviewers. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. So let me tell you something. How about I come up and I meet you Dino yeah. and I meet you for 30 seconds and I walk away going, that guy's a jackass. <laughs> now, I don't know you. <laughs> I, I don't think you probably... the time to know you, but I'm passing judgment on you. Right. And then you're going to show me a picture of your wife, by the way, and I'm going to walk away. Boy, she's a real obnoxious person. I never met her. Right. That's a trailer review. That's like walking into a restaurant doorway, taking three sniffs and saying, yup, this place sucks. Right. You're going to make that judgment on 30 to 60 seconds. Is that what you're telling me?
1: Okay. And since you brought that up, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. And, and I put a tweet out. I think it was yesterday where I see the two common phrases I see in movie reviews that I don't get. Now, I, I get them, meaning I understand the language, but I don't understand why they're being used. Is One of them is, I
0: really want to like this, but... Right. Well, that's that sells. Now, I really... Right. Hating has become the new thing on the internet. You have to hate everything. I don't think – I really want – go ahead. I don't think – and I say that
1: because I had somebody go, well, what's not to understand? I said, I don't understand why I would go and watch a movie I didn't want to like. It kind of
0: goes without saying for me. Right. Why? Well, because it it also feeds into see the the reviewer gets attention, like, see, I suffered for you to to watch this. Okay. see what I put in. I wanted to like it, but I suffered through those two hours to bring you this review. Oh, thank you. Your sacrifice is noted. Mm-hmm. And please go down to a kid's cancer ward and tell me how much you suffered right. Please, yeah.
1: And another one, and and this one kind of boggles my mind is, the film was better than it had any right to be. Again, that's a non-special
0: like, phrase. What is what does that mean? What what? Okay, what? I don't know. Now you don't have to know. That's designed to make somebody sound smarter than what they are. It had. An, that's exactly what that is. Right.
1: Uh, and that's why I'm like that seems to say more about you than it does about the film.
0: Absolutely.
1: And, I mean, there are films that I watch and I don't, you know, don't like. There are films that I've reviewed that I don't necessarily like. But I'm not saying that it had a right to be liked or disliked. I mean, if you're creating, as a filmmaker if you're creating a film, you're creating it because either one, you're getting paid to do it and you just don't care. You know, you know, it's being made cynically. Or... Well, that's Jaws the Revenge. That's Jaws the Revenge. I think it's you know, the remake of Fright Night. Um, or... You're making it because you believe in it. And
0: if I don't... What What it comes down to is we are allowed to not like something. Yeah. But people now have to make a big Donkey and Pony show about it. I hated this movie. So now let me write five paragraphs on why I hated this movie. Okay, you didn't like it, but your world didn't end. You're not dying. Your health is not impacted. You know, like stop with the dramatics and we're allowed to disagree on things. And most of all, you're allowed to not like a movie and yet find positive things about it. I am not a fan of the Star Wars prequels. I don't think they're well made in the way of a narrative or directorial stance. Mm -hmm. However, the special effects are top of the line. Uh, A number of things, the costume design, the model work, the practical effects, it's all top shelf. So you can't just dismiss the prequels as they suck. Right. Because when you say the movie sucks, that means everything about that movie sucks. Right. No, that's 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 those are Cliff Notes reviews. That's what they are. Yeah.
1: And what I always found was funny was with the <coughs> the newer films when they came out, you know, they jumped on and, and called J. J. Abrams Jar Jar Abrams, and I'm sitting there going, "Wait a second. So. What you're saying is actually positive, proof positive that Lucas, quote, unquote, messed up the franchise before Abrams did, since you're referring to Abrams as a much disliked Lucas character. Right. <laughs> so why are you making that? Look, all Abrams-,
0: all Abrams did, Abrams did what anybody would have done, and probably upon the directive of the studio, and that is... Just bring back Star Wars. Right. So what's the best way to do it? Pretty much remake the original film. Yeah. Dress it up with something new, add a few new things, make it definitely, it's technically a sequel, but it's really kind of a reboot, but that's okay. It worked. Right. It was I'm sure somewhere along the line, somebody said to Abrams, just don't make the prequels. That's all. Right. And that's why when George Lucas said, well, I have a whole notebook full of notes on where the, no, no, thanks, George. Here's your $4 billion check. Thank you very much. We have some lovely parting gifts for you. Uh, take care and go eat in the food court, what you like to do. Enjoy. But <laughs> so we're going to take it from here, George. Thanks a lot. Right.
1: Uh,
0: yeah. So.
1: All right. Um, just real quick.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, cause I have to kind of get going in a minute here, but yes, yeah. I, I, I'm having a great time. Oh, I
1: am. I, I'm, I'm having a blast here. Um, and I just wanted to touch on uh, a couple of films, because I know that I've, I know, you've directed, what, five films? Or
0: Yes, I've directed five. Yep. I've directed uh, Camp Dread. I did Zombie Killers, Elephant's Graveyard. I did um, uh, Death House right. <laughs> of all... That I'm drawing a blank on, uh, garlic and gunpowder, and coming up the special.
1: Okay, and the four uh, the four previous films are all on uh, streaming, somewhere or another. I know uh, Death House is on Netflix.
0: Um, yes, Death House is presently on Netflix. Garlic yep. and
1: gunpowder and the field is on Amazon Prime.
0: Uh, they're all—they're all on Amazon Prime. They're on Vudu, Google Play. Um, I There are there are a lot of places. Camp Dread's doing very well on Screenbox.
1: It's on Tubi um, as well. Tubi TV. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I I caught that one the other day. Um, Which one, Camp Dread? Well, actually, I I caught Camp uh, Dread, um, Garlic and Gunpowder, and uh, Zombie Killers: Open Graveyard.
0: Great. I hope you liked yeah. at least one of them.
1: Um. Garlic and Gunpowder, I I thought was a blast. Um,
0: (laughs) I think Garlic and Gunpowder is very funny. I mean – And we're in a very politically uh, correct world right now, so a lot of people don't find it funny.
1: Yeah. Because I I
0: had somebody say that it was – that was completely offensive. I'm like, well, then you better not watch Blazing Saddles. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I'm sorry, Felissa Rose in a uh, you know 300 pound you know fat. Scene. Oh my
0: God, she was great. Wasn't Felissa Rose great? Oh yeah, she she brings. I loved her as Ma. Yeah. Oh my God, I love her as Ma. Yep.
1: And and that's the thing. I mean, your your films, you know, Camp Dread. Eric Eric Roberts. I, I thought he was great.
0: Oh, he was terrific, wasn't he? Um, Eric Eric was nice and sleazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and and was. His portrayal was
1: sincere, you know. Oh yeah, and, and um, you know, Daniel Harris. Oh, she know?
0: was great. And and what a pleasure to work with both of them. They're very nice people and and wonderful to work yeah, with. Yeah,
1: and that, and that's the thing with with her. I I have, see, I'm not a big fan of like the Halloween sequels, except for her. Like I think she was amazing even as a little kid.
0: Oh yeah, it's she the was the best thing only about thing, Halloween right. 4. It's the only
1: thing I could watch that movie for is her. And yeah. even, you know, her 5-minute spot in Camp Dread was, you know, she owned it right there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, she was wonderful. Yep. And and great twist at the end. I like that. Um So so you you have the special coming up. Yes. Okay. And uh, are you looking as far as distribution for that? Are you, are you looking for... It, well, it's
0: it's been sold over to a sales agency, to Devil Works. Okay. And they're taking it to AFM uh, in November for sale. And yeah, I, I don't think it's going to have any problem selling. It's a really, really good movie. Great, great. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Sure. It's about a guy who uh, thinks his wife has been cheating on him and his best friend advises him to fight fire with fire and go out and cheat. And he does so. But um, what he does will take him down a very dark and horrific rabbit hole and with terrible consequences. Ah, All right. Fantastic. And we'll
1: we'll keep everybody up to date with it. And, you know, when it, when it comes out and you start promoting it, we'll be more than happy to, you know,
0: share and do everything else. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Harrison, thank you very much for sitting with me. Absolutely. It was a real pleasure, and, and I hope your audience enjoyed it. And uh, I'm not an angry ranter. I, I'm just awake, and I can see that the emperor is naked.
1: <laughs> great. Have a good one. You too, sir.
0: All right, bye-bye.